Hi friends, welcome to the Genesis of Shame podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa, and I'm here to help you speak biblical truth to the shame you experience in relationships. My hope is that you grow in your understanding of how shame impacts you so you can learn how to connect with God and others. If you've experienced fear, hiding who you are, boundary issues, anxiety, and or depression in your relationships, then this podcast is for you. It's time to speak truth to your shame. Well, all right, everyone. Welcome back to the Genesis of Shame podcast. We are moving along here with our topics and um, obviously dealing with Christians and the church and shame. And today, a very important topic that um, I haven't discussed. Maybe this was one of the earlier seasons, earlier parts of the season where I discussed forgiveness. But today I have an actual expert pro at forgiveness who has done a lot of research on forgiveness. Dr. Jishan Kim, who is a professor at Liberty. And Dr. Kim, welcome to welcome to the show, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you for inviting. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show and for taking on this conversation, which is, um, I think we briefly talked over email just how um, how our perspective on forgiveness, even among Christians, how it can be easily misunderstood if we don't have like an uh, operational definition, right? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, some people will say, well, forgiveness is this or forgiveness is not that. And so hopefully we gain some clarity on that uh, today. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, so Dr. Kim, before I start the, the show, I usually kind of give some time to uh, the guest, um, our guest being you today, to just briefly introduce yourself, uh, some background information, and anything else that you'd like to share about yourself. Okay, so I'm Chichan uh, Kim, and Chichan uh, is a Korean name. Ji means uh, knowledge, and Chan means to serve. So my grandfather named me Chichan. Uh, so he wanted me to become someone who helps other people or serve other people with knowledge. So mm-hmm. I am originally from Korea. I was born and raised in Korea. And I came to the U.S. for education. I got married. And um, I have three kids now. I'm busy, but very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the pro, I mean, you introduced me as an expert on forgiveness, but uh some people consider me an expert on forgiveness, not because I'm good at forgiving, but because I, <laughs> you know, try to have a better understanding of what it is. So if yeah. people uh, assume that um, I'm better at forgiving other people, I think, uh, you know, they're mistaken. <laughs> but, right. you know, hopefully uh, through our conversation, I could, uh, you know, share some uh, information, you know, uh, about forgiveness that I have been studying for uh, past uh, 10 years. Wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what have you studied the most? Like what are there like certain themes or topics that come up with forgiveness more than others? Like like forgiveness in marriage or forgiveness in friendships or forgiveness after divorce, like any specific topics that come up? So uh, I did my uh, PhD under Dr. Robert Enright. He's uh, considered mm. one of the pioneers of uh, forgiveness psychology. He began studying about forgiveness uh, back in 1985, and he still uh, is uh, studying, uh, doing a lot of studies on the topic of forgiveness. And for my dissertation, actually, I worked on examining the effect of anti-bullying forgiveness uh, education mm-hmm. program for middle uh, middle school or adolescent uh, uh, students, uh, and. Uh, uh, that was my dissertation topic. So I'm interested in forgiveness education. 
but also I did some studies on uh, uh, relationship between uh, how Christians uh, look at forgiveness and uh, in what ways uh, they might uh, misunderstand what it is. I think mm-hmm. that's the kind of topic uh, you, you know, uh, briefly mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. So Christians, uh, for, we're supposed to forgive better, but we, you know, we're, sometimes we're not really forgiving better. So it was something that I was uh, mm-hmm. looking at uh, because uh, I do have a um, theology background. I was a pastor. I am actually wow. ordained minister. Uh in a Korean uh, denomination, and I do have experience uh, working with uh, Korean immigrant, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, immigrant uh, populations, and uh, maybe uh, because of the background, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, try to understand forgiveness from the theological perspective, Christian perspective, and try to integrate, uh, you know, psychology of forgiveness and theology of forgiveness and mm. try to figure out why there might be some, you know, tensions if there are and how to resolve such. And so, yeah, divine forgiveness, self-forgiveness, uh, forgiveness education, those were the topics that um, I'm interested in. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So a lot, a lot of experience and a lot of studying and researching this topic of forgiveness. Yeah. And yeah, I wonder, did you see a clash between the psychology and theology aspect of forgiveness? Like, are there any significant differences between them? Yeah. So maybe uh, we could, uh, you know, talk about it later where we could talk about it now, but uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to the idea of a uh, reconciliation, uh, God forgives our sins, and when we uh, repent and accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? God reconciles with us. So sometimes mm. our Christians uh, think that you know reconciliation uh, has to be uh, the goal of forgiveness, and reconciliation uh, is often seen as a part of forgiveness. But actually, uh, if you think about divine forgiveness and reconciliation, something that is involved in that is uh, the idea of forgiveness of sins. But then when it comes to person to forgiveness, we're not really uh, pardoning anyone. We're not really uh, trying to forgive someone's sin. We're trying to uh, imitate Christ, but they were not actually forgiving other sins on behalf of Christ. We are trying to uh, express uh, the kind of love that we have received from God so that we can uh, better love other people who have wronged us. Mm-hmm. So the idea of forgiveness of sins sometimes, uh, you know, it gets into the conversation of interpersonal forgiveness and which might lead to some confusion because uh, God forgives sins, uh, but we cannot. And uh, yeah, and self-forgiveness, right? Uh, the idea of self-forgiveness, some Christians say, uh, it's uh, impossible that we could uh, forgive ourselves because God is the only one who could forgive forgive us. That is true if you're talking about the sin problem. God is the only mm. one who could forgive us. You know, we cannot really forgive our sins. But then if you think of forgiveness as trying to love as we are loved, then because God loves us, we have to try to uh, show respect to ourselves and try to uh, take better care of ourselves. So Mm. there is a distinction. Wow. No, that's good. That's really good. I guess the the key thing here is what is forgiveness, right? Defining what is forgiveness. And I think we both see, and I think most Christians would see that the importance of forgiveness in our lives is understanding that we've been forgiven by God. But this distinction that you made about that 
forgiveness and reconciliation, two, two different things, right? Um, but yeah, let's, uh, how about we define forgiveness and, and see how that applies to, to the Christian's life? Because we see a lot of Christians today, at least I've met a couple, and I don't want to say a lot, but I met a number of, of Christians that feel that there's some sins that are too hard to forgive or that they shouldn't be forgiven even. I mean, they'll go to that extent, well, well no, actually, I can't forgive that. Um, and we'll even use maybe some psychology to say, no, it's not, I shouldn't forgive that person because of what they did to me. They hurt my children or they hurt my family. I don't think that's something that I can forgive. So yeah, I mean, what, what is forgiveness? Uh, so I could approach that question from uh, several different perspectives, but then uh, if I uh, share with you the definition of forgiveness that I typically uh, talk about in my research studies, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, forgiveness has three components. It is something that uh, you practice when you're unjustly hurt by another. It's not something uh, you do when you feel offended. You might feel offended, but it's possible that the other person didn't do anything wrong to you. Mm. So actually, in order to practice forgiveness, you have to have a sense of right or wrong. And if the other person truly did something wrong to you, then uh, you could make a decision to forgive. And once you, uh, 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 you know, figure it out, you know, or maybe, uh, you know, your feeling uh, might be a signal telling you that, um, you know, you have to think about what happened. And once you evaluate what happened, and once you uh, conclude that uh, the other person was unjustly treating you, or what the other person did to you was truly unfair, then what you can do is uh, you could make a conscious choice to overcome your uh, uh, resentment or abandon your resentment and uh, uh, develop um, you know, kindness, uh, generosity, compassion, and even love, sacrificial love toward the one who has hurt you. So it has uh, three components. Uh, it's something that uh, you do in the context of another's injustice. That's the mm -hmm. uh, first component. Second, uh, abandoning <laughs> resentment, but you don't stop there. Uh, you, because uh, if you just stop there, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just like cessation of uh, feeling angry, you know, it's not mm. really forgiveness. So uh, the third component is uh, you are trying to love the other as best as you can. So that mm. is, that, that's how I would uh, describe forgiveness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and because we describe forgiveness that way, you know, kind of talking about something that we practice, how can people, how do people practice this? So is it after you, you mentioned the sense, having a sense of right and wrong. So if they feel that they've been hurt, how would, how can they practice forgiveness in a practical manner? Like what is their attitude towards the other person? What's going on inside of them? Like, what does that process of forgiveness looks like? Cause I know it takes time too. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does the process look like for people? Yeah. So in the psychology literature, Dr. Everett Worthington's REACH model is something uh, really popular. Mm -hmm. And um, I studied on Wright, and he's the one who uh, came up with the Enright process model. And mm -hmm. um, uh, American Psychological Association actually recognizes uh, his process model as forgiveness therapy. So there mm -hmm. is a lot of uh, research evidence supporting that uh, the model of how we forgive that uh, he has been studying is uh, empirically supported. So to 
uh, it has 20 steps, but to briefly uh, mm -hmm. uh, introduce it to you, uh, the first phase are uh, you uncover anger. So you're evaluating what happened and how you have been uh, dealing with your anger. Second phase, uh, you decide to forgive. You make a decision to forgive. You're deciding mm -hmm. that you're not going to let what happened to you define who you are. You want to uh, see changes. And the third uh, phase is working on the working on forgiveness. So you're trying to see uh, the offender from different perspectives. Instead mm -hmm. of uh, uh, looking at the offender and say, because you heard me, you know, you are just that uh, person who offended me. But then uh, there is a actually larger perspective. You know, this person probably has some personal struggles. Uh, this person is part of the human community, regardless of uh, what he has done, which was wrong. Uh, and uh, we could try to see that person from uh, God's perspective. And uh, the final phase would be a deepening phase. So you're uh, discovering uh, meaning uh, in suffering and you're finding a new purpose in your life as you go through the process of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, as you, as you uh, may have seen, so the, the podcast focuses a lot on shame. And it's interesting because I've been working with a number of clients. And one of the things that comes up often is they don't deserve the person themselves. So the person who did the offense feels that they don't deserve to be forgiven. So I'm kind of going through this new uh, stage right now with, with some uh, students where I call it the kind of like the martyr, the martyr syndrome in relationships where they will do whatever it takes to win this person over, even at the cost of them being mistreated, abused or something, because they feel that they deserve that. They don't deserve the person's forgiveness. So they start acting in ways where they almost put themselves in, in harm's way in a relationship of some sort. And so that's really an, an aspect of shame. So they look back at the mistakes that they've done and, and what they did, and they feel that it was so bad. So maybe it's a spouse who cheated on his wife or a a girlfriend or boyfriend who cheated on the other, uh, a friend who said something wrong about the other person. So they go back to their relationship acting in ways or being willing to take whatever the other person gives them, even if it hurts them, but they feel that they deserve that. So they feel undeserving of forgiveness. How, you know, what does, is there anything in the literature that shares about the person? Cause I know you mentioned self-forgiveness. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking that that may be an aspect of this. But uh, do you see that at all? So if you're talking about uh, the kind of a forgiveness that uh, you would uh, practice to yourself, right? Uh, we're talking mm -hmm. about self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I mean, because we mentioned shame, uh, I think uh, in the literature, mm -hmm. you know, the topic of uh, shame is something really important. And I've been thinking about a lot because mm -hmm. uh, I do uh, some research studies on self-forgiveness. Right now, uh, the literature, you know, if you look at certain literature, they define shame as something uh, bad. It's uh, about who you are. Uh, you know, it's about taking on the ide identity that you're worthless. Uh, so shame is always bad. Guilt is uh, something good. But actually, I don't think uh, that dichotomy, you know, uh, actually works because uh, guilt and shame, uh, both of them are self-conscious emotions. And mm -hmm. it's part of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some of the basic emotions that we develop as, a, as we grow as persons. 
And uh, what you do uh, with the feeling of shame and guilt, I think uh, it makes a huge difference. Mm. And if you're feeling ashamed, even though, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, well, because you didn't do anything wrong, uh, forgiveness is not relevant. You have to stand on the truth that uh, you didn't do anything wrong, right? So you have to uh, tell yourself that, uh, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Other people might try to shame you. Uh, you might have uh, this excessive feeling of shame, but then, you know, that is uh, based on something uh, false, right? So mm-hmm. we, we should uh, try to uh, overcome shame. But when it comes to the context of you hurting another, right? Now, uh, self-forgiveness uh, becomes relevant. Mm-hmm. So something... Uh, interesting uh is that it seems like i think uh, i'm not sure whether or not there's any uh, research study about it but then something uh that our common sense you know tells us when we do something wrong i mean we feel guilty we, sh- we feel ashamed and we don't like the fact that we did something wrong right we could mm-hmm. we might uh, try to hide right but at the same time we might you know try to redeem ourselves based on our own uh, righteousness or on our self-righteousness. And maybe uh, we might tell ourselves that, yeah, I deserve to be hurt. I deserve to be punished, you know, as if uh, by being punished, right, you're going to redeem yourself. But it doesn't Mm -hmm. work, right? You have to uh, repent before God and uh, remember that, you know, God loves you and Christ has died for you. And that doesn't mean that what you did was okay. It was wrong, is wrong, and will be wrong. But then, you know, your ontological worth, who you are in Christ, right? It's clear, you know, uh, according to the Bible, it's clear. Regardless of what you have done, you know, you are uh, someone worthy of his love. You are still a child of God. So we have to uh, hold on to that truth. And also, if we truly uh, acknowledge that we did something wrong, we have to uh, try to, what is it, uh, make it right, you know, go to mm-hmm. the person, try to, uh, you know, tell them that, you know, we're truly sorry, and uh, ask uh, what we can do uh, to regain trust. So self-forgiveness, it involves, uh, you know, if you're a believer, God, right, other people you have hurt, and also, you know, remembering that uh, you are someone who's not defined by uh, what you have done in the past. And, mm. you know, through these uh, process, I think uh, you could overcome shame and uh, practice self-forgiveness toward yourself so that your relationship with God and other people may grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good, sir. That's good. Um, I guess the flip side to that, so you have the person who knows that they did something wrong and they feel like they don't deserve that forgiveness and so on. And then you have the other side that maybe it's the person who doesn't want to forgive, right? That they feel that the offense was so deep that it's not, maybe they're not ready. So typically you'll hear something like that, right? I'm not ready to forgive. So um, what about that side uh, on the other perspective Mm. for like, what stops Christians from wanting to forgive? Uh-huh. So uh, there could be many reasons, right? Mm-hmm. One of the reasons could be that uh, forgiveness is super hard. I share with you uh, in the beginning <laughs> that uh, some people call me an expert on forgiveness, but, um, you know, I'm not really good at forgiving. Uh, you know, I'm trying to become better at it. 
So mm. thinking of forgiveness as a process really helps. Sometimes uh, we might feel more resentment. Sometimes we might feel better, but it's all part of the process. And what matters is uh, who we are becoming, whether or not uh, Christ's love in us is growing. But mm. if you think of a forgiveness as uh, basically a moving on or forgetting or abandoning uh, justice, then uh, you're going to have a hard time uh, even trying to forgive or thinking about the possibility of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is a hard and uh, misunderstanding about what it is and what it is not, you know, might uh, hinder uh, some people from even thinking about the possibility uh, of uh, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things that, uh, that, uh, that I can think about. There might be many reasons. Absolutely. And yeah. of course, uh, we, cannot force, we cannot force other people to forgive. We could uh, yeah. gently present you know, the possibility of forgiveness by talking about it, you know, telling them about what it is and what it is not. But if, if they're not ready, then uh, you know, they're not ready, right? Mm. Uh, so we have to wait you know, till they're ready to uh, you know, think about the possibility of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Just... I guess, waiting for them to be ready, um, presenting the benefits of it, because there are a lot of benefits to mm -hmm. forgiveness as well, right? What are some uh -huh. of those benefits? Obviously, there's the there's the aspect of um, not carrying that with you, right? They say someone who holds on to bitterness is what is like drinking poison, expecting for the other person to die type of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it would help probably just to kind of know what are the benefits of forgiveness, you know? Because yeah, we'll get uh, into reconciliation uh -huh. in a little bit, but I think it would be good to discuss, yeah, the benefits of forgiveness. Yeah, uh, many uh, studies, uh, intervention studies uh, using uh, 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 what is it? Uh, uh, randomized control uh, research studies. Uh, there's a control group and uh, there is an experimental group. And uh, if you... Uh, uh, teach uh, to the experimental group how to forgive and the other group doesn't you know, learn about how to forgiveness. And at the end, when you compare the outcomes, those who went through uh, the process of forgiveness in comparison to the control group, they, uh, ex uh, they uh, experience reductions in anger, anxiety, and depression. And, and uh, they uh, experience improvement in uh, self-esteem and mm. hope for the future. So wow. forgiveness, uh, you know, not only makes you angry, but it actually uh, makes you uh, think maybe, uh, you know, ruminate over what happened so that you cannot really uh, do anything uh, productive in your life. And something that is interesting is that people who are her, you know, even though they're Actually, if you think about it, they're survivors, right? They went through something horrendous and, you know, they're uh, uh, survivors of something, uh, you know, bad or something uh, un unjust happened to them. But then, you know, I think uh, there's a shame aspect to it. Sometimes uh, they mm -hmm. develop hatred for themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who is the victim. I went through uh, this injustice and it seems like there's nothing I can do. And if they uh, compare themselves to their offenders, huh, the offenders don't really care. You know, it seems like their life is going well, but my life is not going well. You know, maybe a God doesn't you know, love me. 
maybe uh, you know, my life is really worthless, right? All these uh, lies might affect the way they live, but as a result of forgiveness, something interesting is that depression goes down and their self-esteem goes up. So mm. they you know, finally see that you know, or realize that there is someone who's capable of uh, loving uh, other people who have hurt them. So mm-hmm. self-esteem goes up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's one of those things that isn't often seen, right? How, how it affects other aspects of our, of our lives, like with the depression, the anxiety, the self-esteem, the aspect of, of forgiveness. Um, but that's, that's really cool. That's found in the research so that people can see that. Cause you know, there's yeah. not a lot of people who will look at the research maybe on forgiveness. So that's one of the main reasons and a key reason for, um, mm-hmm. for the benefit that you bring to today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And how about, how about reconciliation, Dr. Kim? I, I know we briefly mentioned that at the beginning of our, of our episode today, but often you'll have kind of, it's split down the middle between Christians, uh, half maybe saying, Hey, you need to reconcile. And the other one saying, no, I just need to work through forgiveness. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about that is reconciliation mm-hmm. a goal. I, I, should it be a goal? Maybe not, but is it, it, should it be a goal at some point? I, I think it is an important goal. Uh, reconciliation okay. is something that you could achieve by uh, genuine forgiving. Or, or another way to put it is uh, without genuine forgiveness, uh, reconciliation, uh, it's, it's not really genuine. So uh, in Korean culture, uh, social harmony is something important. And in order to maintain social harmony, oftentimes, uh, you know, uh, we're told not to show our emotion and just move on and uh, tell people to just shake hands and move on, you know, Mm. Uh, to not let your emotion get in the way of uh, our harmony. So that's Mm -hmm. the kind of, uh, you know, cultural aspect uh, that I was exposed to when I was in Korea. And the thing is, uh, if you... uh, uh, do the handshaking, and if you still hate the person, I mean, uh, it doesn't help. You have to try to work it out, you know? So reconciliation is uh, more like a negotiation strategy in order to regain trust. Mm. So someone uh, does something wrong to you, and you could try to forgive that person from your heart, but if the other person doesn't uh, acknowledge uh, uh, that uh, he or what he or she did it was wrong, then reconciliation basically is impossible. I might go to that person and say, oh, I'm okay now, let's reconcile. And if the other person says, oh, what, what did I do wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Then reconciliation <laughs> is impossible. So we have to uh, think of reconciliation uh, not as something that uh, we... Uh, uh, as an individual do to the other person, but we have to think of reconciliation that requires a two party, two parties uh, or two people coming together and trying to uh, figure out how to make the relationship work. So mm-hmm. there's a big difference. So reconciliation is an important goal uh, and uh, true forgiveness is essential if you wanna have um, uh, genuine reconciliation. Reconciliation is often not possible unless uh, two parties are willing to uh, work it out. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I may throw a, a curveball at you here, Dr. Kim, well, but th- these are some of the, um, the comments that we'll hear often in regards to this idea of reconciliation. 
um, the severity of the offense is one thing that they'll look at, right? So for example, a big one, I was doing a series not too long ago on um, abuse in the church and how it's been covered up. And, you know, typically it's someone in authority or in leadership who does it to a member, typically female. And so you have all this stuff going on, or you have something done to the children and it was covered up. So a lot of different things, right? And, you know, I, mean, I think you touched on it, just saying, you know, if it's not on both sides, it's not going to be possible, right? And typically, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, it seems like the one who did the offense wants to be forgiven uh, of the offense, right? But the other person who was hurt, so if they were, you know, abused or something happened, they don't want to, because it is such a, you know, uh, difficult offense to work through. So in those cases, even in those cases, if I'm hearing you correctly, reconciliation is still a goal, but it will be impossible if both parties don't agree to it. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. So unless uh, both uh, parties are ready, right, reconciliation is not possible. But something uh, that uh, we have to remember is that uh, forgiveness is not the same as saying, I forgive you. We might say I forgive you for mm. many different reasons. I might say uh, I might tell my uh, kids I forgive you, so that I could you know tell them the about the importance of forgiveness and tell them that now they have to listen to me. But that's mm. not uh, maybe uh, I might be able to you know teach them about the value of forgiving, but that's not the genuine forgiveness if I'm holding grudge inside. So we might uh, say, I forgive you for many different reasons. And if we, you know, think that the other person telling me that uh, he or she forgives me is same as the other person genuinely forgive, forgiving me, I think uh, I'm mistaken, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if uh, genuine forgiveness to occur, you know, we have to remember that it's a process. It's a decision, but also it's a process. So we have to uh, give them space and time so that they could uh, work on better forgiving and they could work on growing in uh, love toward the offender without uh, kind of, uh, you know, putting them on spot and asking them to say, I forgive you. Because I forgive you, right, to, to another's face, it might not mean really much. Right. It Mm -hmm. might be because of other people's pressure. It might be because you Mm want to claim your, you know, moral superiority over other people. It might be because you want to manipulate other people. I forgive you. Therefore, now you have to do all these things to me. You know, so Mm -hmm. understanding the difference between the two might be helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and do they need to meet at some point, Dr. Kim, because, you know, sometimes there'll be, obviously, there's the offender and the offended, and they won't see each other, but the offended will say, I've forgiven them in my heart already. But maybe if they were to see them again, those emotions will come back up, you know, so is, does there need to be closure, in a sense, like where, where they would have to meet, or can a person individually on their own, forgive the offender? So uh, there's no requirement uh, that uh, they have to meet again. It mm-hmm. depends on the situation, depends on uh, whether or not uh, the other person is uh, uh, still, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I mean, whether or not there's a possibility that the other person can still hurt you, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, there's a physical abuse a case and um, if the other person is still dangerous, then um, it's uh, wiser to keep them yeah. separate. 
right? Mm-hmm. So, but then at the same time, uh, those who are abused or offended could try to uh, work on forgiving uh, the other, and you they could do that without ever meeting the other person again. And so reconciliation is a desirable goal, but at the same time, we have to think about the uh, in reconciling because, uh, you know, uh, if someone is uh, still uh, dangerous and if I know that if I try to reach out to the person and if I'm going to get hurt, then I'm not going to mm-hmm. you know, get near that person. Am mm-hmm. I going to pray for that person? Am I going to pray that, uh, you know, God works in, in that person so that he changes, but I'm not going to go near that person. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, if I may, I would like to add the importance of um, practicing virtues yeah. uh, you know together so forgiveness is a moral virtue and justice is a virtue too when you're forgiving you are not abandoning justice at all you could uh forgive uh so that now uh, with your forgiving heart you could uh fight for uh actions or fight for justice fight mm. for changes so but if you are not forgiving right uh well, you might uh, pre- be practicing justice in your mind, but you might be basically uh, taking revenge, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, forgiveness and justice, uh, we have to make sure that we do not isolate them. We're not replacing one uh, with the other. We have to work on them uh, together uh, because both of them are moral virtues. And um, when we are growing as a moral person or growing in Christ-likeness, we're not trying to put on just one good thing about Christ. We have to try to put on you know, all good, you know, uh, mm-hmm. good things about Christ so that uh, we practice forgiveness. We practice uh, justice. We speak the truth to the power, right? Uh, we show uh, mercy, kindness, gentleness, but we have to be stern, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to remember that uh, we do not practice any of the virtues in isolation. Mm. That's such a great, great point. Yeah, tying everything together at the at, at the asset with the aspect of forgiveness. Yeah, you're right. Because very easily it can turn into this aspect of manipulation, or it can turn into, um, you know, just a, a what do you call it? A uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a trading, right? I'll trade this for this yep. type of thing, right? A bargaining chip, essentially. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So adding virtue to that. Um, Dr. Kim, it just, I mean, I'm sh- with all the studies that you've done, has there been any, any significant stories or powerful stories that you've seen on forgiveness? I, I think I could remember back where um, there was a shooting at a church. It was an African-American church and there was a young kid went in and started shooting people. And I remember like, I don't know when it was a month or weeks after um, the family, the, I think it was the mom and the aunt and some other people were there, went to the jail, saw the kid and told him, you know, I know what you did was wrong, kind of applied the justice aspect, right? Said what you did was wrong. You know, you shouldn't have done that and so on. But then she said something powerful. She said, but we forgive you or I forgive you. Now, to your point earlier, you said that was, that's one part of it. And then it was the, the continual process of that, right? Um, so that for me, it's one of those powerful stories uh, of forgiveness. Um, do you have any that, that you'd like to share with the, with the audience, something very powerful that you've heard or seen before? Yeah. So, uh, the, I mean, uh, 
because of uh, YouTube, right? Sometimes uh, <laughs> right. I, I do teach a course on forgiveness psychology once a year. So mm -hmm. I'm teaching uh, forgiveness psychology next semester. And uh, because mm -hmm. of uh, YouTube, you know, sometimes I search a lot of uh, stories about forgiveness and they're really powerful, moving, mm -hmm. inspiring. Uh, so there might be many, many study, uh, stories about forgiving, you know, uh, uh, you know, someone who did really are wrong to the forgiver. But one story that I was thinking about, I, th I think that this story might, uh, might be something that some uh, students of psychology or uh, scholars in forgiveness psychology might have heard of. But then uh, this is a story that I often share with my uh, students. So Dr. Everett Worthington, you know, he's a Christian and mm. he is one of the pioneers of forgiveness psychology. He has many, many uh, publications on uh, forgiveness uh, and he is the one who uh, came up with REACH model of uh, forgiveness. But he was uh, studying about forgiveness uh, because uh, he was in uh, the counseling field or he was into couples counseling and actually, uh, uh, I think uh, um, uh, something happened uh, in his life that he had to think about what it truly means to forgive. What happened was, uh, it's hard to actually imagine, but then, mm. you know, I don't think I could actually even, you know, talk about the topic of forgiveness in this case. But um, uh, even though he was Christian, he was studying about forgiveness, maybe he never expected that something like this would happen to him. But on on one new year's eve uh, uh his mom was by herself in the house and because uh, she does not drive there was no car in the driveway and uh, uh i don't know who but then uh there was um you know i think uh maybe it was a guy no one got really uh, convicted at the end but mm -hmm. then uh, someone uh, broke in and uh, uh killed murder uh, his um uh, mother so on New Year's Eve, uh, his uh, mom was a murder. And, uh, you know, Dr. Worthington, uh, he actually uh, sometimes uh, talks about uh, what he went through, how he was able to uh, make a decision to forgive. And so if you're interested uh, or you're, if your listeners are interested, uh, you could go to YouTube. And if you uh, enter search terms like power of forgiveness and at uh, uh, Worthington or just Warrington, you're going to be uh, able to see a lot of uh, his uh, talks on forgiveness, but also one of the videos, uh, 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 you know, where there, you might be able to find one of the videos where he talks about uh, how he tried to forgive the person who murdered his wife. Mm. And the reason why uh, I wanted to uh, bring that up was that eventually he was able to forgive and, um, you know, he continued to study about forgiveness and his life mission, right, uh, basically is uh, to uh, spread the idea of uh, forgiveness to all willing individuals, uh, families, and communities. So he mm -hmm. dedicated his life to the cause of forgiveness. And he's someone, you know, who actually, uh, who, who are able to, who, uh, he's someone who was able to uh, forgive uh, someone who murdered his wife. So I think, uh, you know, that uh, connection, you know, his uh, dedication to the cause of forgiveness and what he was able to overcome. And by thinking about what he might have uh, gone through, right, it gives us, gives us hope 
you know, it mm-hmm. gives us, uh, you know, the possibility of uh, lifting up our suffering for God's glory and honor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> I love when something of suffering happens to us and we're able to uh, use that as a ministry opportunity to represent Christ in our communities or relationships with people and forgiveness. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so critical to the Christian life, right? I mean, our whole faith is, is based on the forgiveness that we receive from Christ when we accept him as Lord and savior. So it's, it's such an amazing aspect to be able to implement mm-hmm. into, uh, into the counseling field. But um, yeah, sir, do you have any, any final comments on, on forgiveness just for the listeners, anything that you'd like to encourage us with or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, Christians, we have more reasons to forgive because, uh, you know, Christ has died for us on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, forgiveness is hard. It's a process. I never tell anyone that uh, forgiveness is easy. But then uh, when it's hard to forgive, I want to encourage your listeners that, uh, you know, we ought to remember Christ on the cross, uh, praying uh, to God the Father, uh, looking at us uh, sinners, Mm -hmm. right? And we were basically uh, trying to uh, kill him, persecute him. Uh, uh, The crowds were, you know, shouting, crucify him. But Christ uh, prayed, Father, forgive them. Uh, They Mm -hmm. do not know what they are doing. And then uh, uh, due to his forgiveness, I mean, even though he was uh, forgiving, eventually uh, death came. He died, right? Mm-hmm. But, but that was not the end of the story, right? Mm-hmm. So his forgiveness involved a lot of suffering, struggles, and even his death. But we know that at the end, there is hope. So I wanted to actually share this uh, Bible passage with your uh, sure. listeners. Psalm 35, weeping may tarry for the night. So Psalm uh, 35, weeping may tarry for the night. So we're struggling, suffering, you know, we're praying, you know, to God, why me? Why am I going through this? But uh, the uh, Psalm uh, 30, verse 5, uh, it says, but rejoicing comes in the morning. So we mm-hmm. may be persecuted and crucified. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, actually uh, telling anyone to uh, struggle or suffer, but then it's it's going to come in our way. And mm-hmm. uh, we can remember that at the end, there is empty tomb. There mm-hmm. is resurrection. There's true hope uh, through what Christ has done for us. So mm-hmm. I want all of your listeners to remember that uh, we are going to struggle. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to have hard times in this life. But uh, our suffering, our death, our pain, it's never the end of the story. So Mm. that's what I wanted to share. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. You know, I I love seeing um, your pastor's heart come through through the uh, the video and through the message. I I really appreciate that so much. And uh, thank you for being here for today's topic. I look forward to seeing the response from others. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do another episode sometime in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. You have a good one. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in today, guys. I really appreciate it. Your support means a lot to me. And I really look forward to doing these each and every week. If you would like to continue supporting the podcast, one of the things you can do is go to your Apple podcast and find the Genesis of Shame there and then subscribe to it. That really helps it get some traction on the iTunes podcast and will allow this to be heard by many more people. You can also follow me on Spotify and other major podcast platforms. 
Thank you again, guys. Have a great day.